because we come in these four walls and we enjoy hanging out with each other with fellow believers and people that are searching for the Lord and we just um, are really comfortable sometimes and many of us throughout the work work week we're working in Pittsburgh we might be traveling all over the country we're at soccer games we're at football games basketball courts see us we're sitting on the benches with people and God is the God of this city and he is the Lord of our nation and we know that, those of us that are here, we know that. But you know, those people that we're rubbing shoulders with each and every day, every week, they don't know that. They don't know that God is the light in the darkness. They don't know that He is the hope for their hopeless lives. They don't know that He is the peace when they're restless. And you know, God has called us to be the light in the world. He's called us to make a difference for eternity. We know He's the God of this nation, and He has given us privilege of being able to share that with those that we come in contact with every week. So as we go about our week and go outside these four walls, let's remember that God wants us to just hold our hands out and allow him to use us to make a difference in our world for eternity. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You
pray with me this morning, please? God, we are so glad that you're a God of this city, that you're the Lord of the nations, that you're the light in the darkness and the peace for the restless. And Lord, we thank you so much for just allowing us to know how strong you are, how you're the one that is the father to the fatherless and the one that reaches down where we're at in the midst of trials and tribulations. You're the one that celebrates the victories with us, Lord, and we praise your name. Thank you for being our strong God. Pass the friendship folders down the out this time. That would be a great help to us as we seek to minister to you and your family. 
Um, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, you'll see in your carrier there the information on MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. They meet twice a month, and I believe that they have a meeting coming up soon. So we'd like to, is that this Tuesday? And so we'd like to encourage you to be here for MOPS. If uh, you know anybody that's in that category, a mother of a preschooler or soon to be a mother, uh, please encourage them to come to MOPS on Tuesday this week. Also coming up on uh, the end of September here, it's hard to believe we're talking about the end of September. Uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, September the 30th, is the Children of the World Choir will be here. Uh, th this is a choir, it's a, a, a group of children from different places around the world with an organization called World Health, and they're going to be here, and uh, they're going to be sharing their testimonies, they're going to be singing, it's going to be a high-energy evening. Now, this group of children just performed at Liberty University two weeks ago before 15,000 people, and uh, we have the tremendous privilege of having them on their way through as they're traveling to the next place. So they get to be before many large places, and this is an incredible opportunity for us to have them. Several of our families from the church are having them in their homes and hosting them, and, uh, and then we're going to have this program on Wednesday the 30th at 7 o'clock. That'll take place of our regular events on Wednesday. So I want to encourage you, spread the word, come on out. Uh, if you say, I normally don't get out on Wednesday, come out on this Wednesday. And also we have coming up the... Um, we also have coming up on Wednesday nights, we have the Kids Club here. This is the Wednesday night clubhouse for kids downstairs. We want to encourage you to, to uh, bring your kids out. We have something for children from nursery all the way through fifth grade downstairs. If you go over to our teen center, which is over in library, we have uh, things for them over there from sixth grade over through uh, 12th grade in high school. And then we have adult groups here. And if you take out the paper in your, in your bulletin, You'll see the insert there about Wednesday night groups. We have several things that are going on this uh, on Wednesday night. There's Financial Peace University. You can come and choose to get into a small group on Financial Peace. Learn how to handle our finances God's ways. There's uh, the women's group and the men's group. These are fantastic studies. We're watching people, men and women, come into community. You're getting to meet other people. And then there's Starting Point. If you've never been in a group and you've never never uh, experienced any of that. Starting point is, is just what it is. It's a place to start. Rick Corey teaches that. We're excited about what's going to happen in starting point. And then there's keys to the Christian faith. This is a course on some basic doctrines uh, of the faith, and, uh, and I think you would enjoy that as well. So please come out on Wednesday, get involved, and get in community. We've, we've been trying to talk about how the church happens, uh, growth happens best in circles, not rows. Well, this is an opportunity to come and get into a group, get into a smaller group where you can talk and exchange and, uh, and communicate and grow together. Uh, Membership 101 is coming up here October the 4th. That's just a few Sundays away. Sunday, October the 4th, we'd like to encourage you to, uh, if you're not a member and you'd like to become a member, make it official, come to Membership 101. We'll explain everything about how that you can become a member. That's coming up. We ask that you RSVP. Please take the membership uh, RSVP, sign that up. You can put it in the offering plate as it comes your way this morning, or you can put it in one of the offering boxes as you leave today. And then this Wednesday is also something exciting coming up. Is See You at the Pool, Wednesday, September the 23rd. Uh, See You at the Pool is a student-led movement where uh, we ask children and teenagers to go to the flagpole at their school. And right here at Ringgold Elementary North, uh, we have a huge opportunity here. We've been, we've been handing out these flyers downstairs today. Uh, if you have a, a student down there, we encourage you to encourage your student. We encourage you as a parent to go out and support them in prayer. And at, uh, on 820, 8.20 this, on this Wednesday morning, they're going to gather right here at the Ringgold Elementary North and have prayer around the flagpole. I know up at the high school, they'll be doing it probably around 10 till 7. I'm encouraging my daughter to go out to the high school, and I'm, I'm going to go down as just a community leader to the elementary north and just stand in the background and pray and just ask God to bless our community. Isn't that an exciting opportunity? Let's give God uh, a hand this morning. We're thankful for these opportunities he's given us. So um, I, I want to encourage any parents that have children down there, go and, and support that. Encourage your kid to go out to that and just stand back there and say, hey, this is important, and here we are in our local community. We, we're doing what we can do to make a difference, and so we're, we're thrilled about that. That's coming up this Wednesday, 
And then, uh, then this evening, we also have choir practice for those that are interested in our Christmas musical coming up. That will be at 4.30 today. If you're interested in singing, being a part of the Christmas musical, it's called Humbug. It's going to be an exciting, exciting event. Uh, we have that happening. So God is really moving in our church, folks. I just want you to know that every time I turn around, I, I hear something new and exciting. I hear what God's doing. I hear somebody's life that has been changed. And that just gives me energy. I know it does you as our church as well. We get so energized when we hear what God has done. He's transformed somebody's life. And uh, this morning, I'd like to show you uh, on video this morning, before we receive our morning offering, I'd like to show you uh, Hal Breinig. Hal was here in the first service, and Hal is a character, um, but Hal got baptized. He has come to Christ, and he, he was baptized in the first service. So we want to share with you his testimony. So I direct your attention to the screen as you take in what God is doing in the church. Good morning. My name is Hal Breinig. This morning I want to share with you my journey to Christ. I was raised in a good church-going family. And through the years, from childhood to early adulthood, I attended church and Sunday school. After high school, I joined the Marine Corps and served our country during the Vietnam War. During that period, I was severely injured and was given my last rites on three different occasions. However, the Lord had other plans. After my discharge from the military, I met Nancy, the love of my life. And one year later, we were married. I experienced success in the corporate world from areas of working in heart research to pacemakers and to high-tech imaging sales. Since I believe that idle hands are the devil's workshop, I also served as game commissioner, planning commissioner, school board member, and various other jobs. I suppose I was looking for something that seemed to be missing in my life. Don't get me wrong, I have a wonderful wife who has stuck by me three beautiful children, four grandchildren, and one great-grandchild, and a successful career. Although I didn't know what it was, something seemed to be missing. During my 49-plus years of marriage, Nancy and I have attended various churches, and up until we came to Crossroads Ministries, I thought my life was complete, but boy was I wrong. I have known Pastor Arnold since he came to this area. Pastor Arnold is like the good fisherman. He kept fishing with hopes of catching me, and he did. Pastor Arnold invited my wife and I to a church dinner show. We both attended it and then began to attend here sporadically. However, I was not sold on what I was hearing or seeing. We were having a situation with my youngest son that totally rocked our world. I met with Pastor Arnold. We talked about family, God, and work, knowing that I traveled a lot. He gave me the Gospel of John to read in my off time. One night in Connecticut, I opened my briefcase, and I looked through it and pulled out the Gospel of John that he had given me. Began to read it, and I couldn't put it down. Several weeks later, Pastor John called me, asked me about my family situation, and asked me if I had started to read the Gospel of John yet. I said yes. The next thing I knew, I bought a Bible and began reading it and I think I am addicted to the Word. I began reading the Old Testament, and I was amazed by what I was reading. His Word says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Little by little, the Lord was revealing Himself to me. It was like someone turned a light bulb on in my head, like coming out of the dark into the light. As time went on, I received Christ as my Savior and he continues to change me. Throughout the last several years, my wife and I have experienced many adversities, from illness to loss, and have experienced the Lord walking the path with us and never abandoning us. One thing I do believe is that life is like a yo-yo, an elevator, and we all have our ups and downs. However, he is with us during each moment. I have come a long way and still have a long way to go. Thanks to the pastors and the church family here at Crossroads Ministries, my whole outlook on life has changed. I have been able to use my passion of cooking by ways of pasta dinners here at the church for benefits. 
One Sunday after the first service, I was approached by Pastor Al, and he asked me if I would help with Celebrate Recovery by making some sort of dinner each week. Of course, I said yes. It has been a God-given joy in my life to work with and to get to know Pastor Al. Since coming to Christ, the Lord has given me a new appreciation for who he is and what he is doing in the world around me. Even though I have a passion for cooking, I have a greater passion for people to come to know Christ and to see their lives transformed. It is amazing that after retiring four years ago, I happened to open my briefcase and I still had a gospel of John in it and one on my desk. Amen. Isn't that exciting? God is transforming lives. Amen. Let's give him a hand. God, God is transforming lives all over our church. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had three baptisms. Alexa and her brother and sister, all three of them were baptized. Uh, what an exciting day that was. A few weeks before that, we had uh, another baptism. And God is just doing his work, and he keeps moving every day. And he's using you to do it. That's what's exciting. He's using you. And, uh, you know, here's how. Uh, Pastor, would, I'm sure when he starts his message, he'll tell us a little bit about how long it took him to talk to Hal for years. Because uh, Hal used to tell me, I remember when he had a house in Snowden. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we just don't quit on our fa- friends and family, do we? We don't quit. We just keep going forward. And we get to see the harvest when God does the work. Amen? So let's uh, stand together as we receive our morning offering. We, uh, we're excited to, to give to the Lord this morning. We want to remember that God has given us 100% of what we have, and as we get to give back to Him, it is a step of faith that we say, okay, Lord, I give this to you because you're my provider, and uh, it's a step of obedience, and uh, we, we thank you and our church family. Some have given online, some give through the mail, and others will give this morning. But as the plates come your way, if you've given online, let's worship Him in your heart. Just say, God, I give you my, what, what you have given to me. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we come before you and uh, we, we just honor you. We bless your name this morning. God, we are so thankful for the transformation of lives that we see uh, all over this place. God, we are honored at uh, what we see in this place here of, of lives that have been changed week in and week out. Uh, there's, there's not a week that goes by that you're not working. And Lord, you have provided for each and every one of us. There's not a week that goes by that you haven't met our needs. And we honor you. We bless your name and we say thank you. We call you our daddy, our father. We thank you this morning for how that you have moved mightily in providing for our needs, Lord. And so as we come to this point of our service, we pause and we worship you, God. We say thank you for providing for us. Thank you for providing salvation. You died on the cross. You came back to life again. You've changed our life. And God, we give back to you this morning. So God, through all the means that we give, we pause and we say thank you. We bless you now. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please.
Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. 2 Corinthians, thank you, Mike. 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. I think it's been about 23 years ago that uh, I met together with our Sunday school teachers downstairs in one of the rooms, and I went out and I bought uh, a stack of these uh, single-subject notebooks. I was walking through Walmart the other day, and I noticed they, they were selling for 17 cents. We paid a dollar 23 years ago for these things. I bought a stack of these, and I got together with our teachers, and I said, hey, let's try to get our prayer life more organized than it's, than it's been. And that was a nice way to say, hey, let's start organizing our prayer life for the very first time in our life. I printed up a piece of paper. You have it there. You received this when you came in. And I gave out something like this that had categories uh, for which we could uh, duplicate and put in our, our little notebook. Some people went out and they got those separators. You know those different color separators you buy and you put on a notebook so you can find your place? Sometimes you put them on the Bible. And we started uh, categorizing the things that were on our heart that we needed to pray for. And I suggested, hey, make sure you make the first one praise and thanksgiving because, you know, you can fill your book up with praise and thanksgiving. All you have to do is open it up and start thinking about all the things for which you have to praise and thank the Lord for I think if you went home this morning and began to do that, that you could fill one page just by the things that have happened to you maybe in the last 24 hours in your life. You could just fill it up. And, uh, and so when you do that every day, what happens is your pages, they just start growing and growing. And, uh, and it's really cool because, because then you can go back and you can read those pages back to God and you can review what God has done in your life, and it's so uplifting. And so I said, hey, let's, you know, let's uh, put some names down here, people who need to come to Christ. Uh, let's start praying for them, that God will open their heart, and, and uh, we can see something spiritual happen. There's always needs with physical things, right? People always have physical problems. So we can put that, make a category for that, and so we made started making all these categories. And one guy came back very, after a couple weeks and said, listen, I'm praying an hour a day. Now, you don't have to pray an hour a day, but he got excited about it. I mean, it turned him on. When he started writing things down and praying to the Lord, some people said, well, you know, I'm praying five minutes today. Well, that's a step ahead for some people. There's nothing wrong with that. But as we began to put things in our notebook, our prayer time began to grow. And that simply meant that we were more in communion with God. We had a greater connection with God. Uh, we were not just people coming to church and going out the door, uh, coming and going, but we were people that had a little time especially set aside at home uh, to seek God in our life. You know, people have always been pretty good at reading the Bible ever since I came to this church now almost 47 years ago. Uh, we have always promoted, let's try to read our Bible through each year. Now, I know that's a challenge for some people, but we always kind of like stepped back at the first of the year and kind of got revved up again and said, okay, let's try to do this again. We'll try again this year. Uh, Joanne, my wife, she reads her Bible faithfully through every year. I read my Bible through every year, but, but we are the, uh, the leaders of the church. Uh, you know, people expect just a little bit more out of them. We have more things to pray about because we're, we're connected with more people. And when you're connected with more people, you certainly want to do your part to lift them up in prayer. Uh, but I want to encourage you, maybe you've just been thinking about this need in your life. Boy, I just wish I knew how to do this. Well. Uh, just start with five minutes, okay? Uh, just write these things down, read them to God, begin to have a meeting with God. Uh, Corey Tin Boone said one time, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. 
And so I think prayer has to be a priority in our life. You know, it just can't be something, well, you know, I'm going to pray when I feel like it because you know what that means? That means you don't pray. Satan will always try to find something to make you too busy to do what you know you need to do. He will always throw you a curveball. And so if you say, okay, in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, that's my appointment with God, uh, I do that before I meet with anybody, you'll make an appointment with God. And it'll be a wonderful, wonderful growing experience for you. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, worldly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You know, the church is the key to unlock uh, spiritual potential in the community and in our homes. Uh, as we pray against the strongholds that Satan has thrown up against our family and friends, we will begin to see those strongholds come down because what we do is we marshal angel forces to come in intervention in people's lives. We ask the Lord to move upon them mightily, and James says, you have not because you ask not. You know, I know it's so easy for us to say how oh, this person's got a big problem, this person, there's no hope for them, I tried to help them, I give up on them, and all those things. We can never do that as a people of God. We can never do that. Uh, we must learn to pray to tear down spiritual strongholds. Look what it says. For the weapons of our warfare, uh, they are for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. You have this person at work and all they ever want to do is argue with you about spiritual things. You know, you bring up a spiritual thought and you're in for an argument. Well, you know, when we pray, what God does is they, God softens the heart of this antagonist this person that wants to put you down all the time. God softens their heart. Uh, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means that we are praying that God will put people on his agenda. That uh, they will get right over on his agenda and they will be walking with him and following him and... Uh, they will be obeying Christ. Uh, you know, the church has really changed through the years. You know that? Uh, when I think back, uh, whenever we first came to this church, uh, things were so different. When Sunday school teachers came uh, into their class, they would come with uh, what we call flannel graph. Hardly anybody knows what that is today. Probably just a handful of people even in our church remember that. People would bring a tripod and they would set it up and they would have a piece of flannel on that tripod and they would put all these little pictures of Abraham and Isaac and Moses and they would, and boy, I'll tell you what, we thought we were really up to date. That was really great. It really kept the kids' attention. Now we have video projectors in every room. We have more technology. We don't know how to turn it on, but we have it available here in the church for those who can do that, those things. Uh, times have really changed, you know, in the church. Uh, I was, uh, I read about a guy who was complaining. Uh, he was uh, a frustrated father, and he was shaking his head, and he said, you know, he said when he grew up, he was disciplined by being sent to his room without supper. Some of you remember those years. Did your dad ever send you to your room without supper? But uh, his son now has uh, his own color TV, his phone, his computer, and everything else in his room. And the guy that he was talking to said to him, well, what do you do now? He says, well, I just send him to my room now. There's nothing in there. Uh, you know, we always have people in the church that employ people, you know, and, and they always complain. It's so hard to find a good worker, you know that? It's like they're just, they say, hey, do you know anybody that can come to work for us? I heard about a kid who went out uh, to look for a job and the store manager was kind of apologetic and he said, you know, I, I'm sorry I can't hire you. There just isn't enough work for you to do to keep you busy. And the applicant said, well, you know, you'd be surprised how little it takes. We're living in different days, aren't we? 
People used to like to go to work to work. Well, you know, churches change. They really do. And I think that's really a good thing. But there's one thing that doesn't ever change about the church. And that's its teaching and its preaching from the Bible. Because, you know, I can remember back when I went to a little church that I refer to every now and then right next to Langley High School in the Sheridan section of Pittsburgh. And I remember our pastor would come in front of our church. He would ask us to open up the Bible. He would read the scriptures to us, and he would do his best to explain the meaning of those scriptures and how we could apply it to our life. Uh, even though the trappings of the church changes, there's one thing that never changes, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God remains forever. It's the same. It's the same message today that we are preaching that they preached in early days in the church. And even though the church will change in different ways and methods and methodology in the future, uh, people who love the Bible will keep preaching the Bible because it's the Word of God, as Hal Breinig said on his testimony, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, when I think about prayer, I think about Luke 11.1. 1. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. You know, as the disciples heard Jesus pray, it was something intriguing to them. They wanted to know how to pray. Evidently, John the Baptist's disciples had already taught his people to pray. And so people need to be taught to pray. And the Lord says, of course, I want you to pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he taught his disciples to pray. And I often thought, you know, Jesus never taught his disciples to preach. He taught them to pray. I think preaching is, uh, is a natural reaction to praying. I really do. I think as we pray and as we have fellowship with God, we become preachers. Because when you're in the presence of God, God changes your heart and he infuses you with his love and compassion for the world. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. Uh, and so when we have communion with God, we become preachers. Now, I use that word preacher in a loose way because when you think of preacher you think of somebody like me right or someone else that stands behind a pulpit but if you are a Christian in communion with God you know what happens they call you preacher where you were it doesn't make any difference if you're male or female you're the preacher at where you were and so as we come into communion with God God fills our heart with the love of Christ and we can't keep it in. And we tell our coworker, listen, I just want to tell you what God's doing in my life. And the coworker says, not verbally, but, but in his mind, I wish you wouldn't tell me that. But you know you just can't keep it in, right? It just comes bubbling out uh, when our heart is filled with the love of Christ. Do you know Jesus depended upon prayer in his ministry? He really did. Hebrews 5, 7. Look at it. I think we have it on the screen. There it is. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. This is referring to Christ right here. Christ prayed with vehement cries and tears to God the Father. He depended upon prayer in his ministry. Now, let me say this this morning. If the Lord Jesus depended upon prayer in his ministry, how much more are we dependent on prayer, communion with God in our ministry?
E.M. Bounds, I've read a little bit about him. He was a man who uh, prayed, I think, for three hours every morning, and uh, he wrote books on prayer. This is what he said. Prayer is the most important thing in all the earth. And I read that statement, and I thought to myself, I've got to read that again. Did he really say that? Prayer is the most important thing in all the earth. And this is what he further said. If prayer is put first, then God is put first, and victory is ensured. I think, that, I think everybody in this church today wants to be victorious, spiritually speaking, don't you? That's why you're here. Uh, you want to be able to move forward in a spiritual way and make some progress with your spiritual life. Well, E.M. Bounds says, listen, the way to do that is to put God first in prayer in your life. He says, prayer is the most important thing in all the world. And you know, lately I've been looking through the Bible. You know, when you start to look through the Bible and you, you're looking at for prayer, you see it everywhere, right? It's like, holy cow, I didn't know it was there. It's everywhere. And then sometimes you're thinking about angels and you read through the Bible and you start seeing angels everywhere. That's, that's the way that God speaks to us through his word in unique ways. Now, on your notes for this morning, you have those lines. You see that on the back side of your, our, your curry, you have those notes. Number one, what is prayer? Prayer is fellowship with God. It's getting in harmony with God. See, because when you set a time to get together with God and you say, okay, it's 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, I have an appointment with God, don't bother me, I'm, I'm not even turning my phone on, I, I'm shutting the door, I'm out of harmony and communion with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not how good you sound. Prayer is not how dynamic you can pray or what kind of words that you can use. It's you getting, like, close with God. Remember last week I used the illustration? Remember? How many people were here last Sunday? Raise your hand. Okay. You remember the illustration. That's what prayer is. Prayer is preoccupation with Christ. It's, uh, it's you being in some way, as best you can, connected with Jesus throughout the day. It's, it's proximity to Jesus, a spiritual channel in your life. It's fellowship with God. The second thing you can write on that second line is this. It's demonstrating our desire to seek God. You know, I, I, uh, I've been amazed recently at all the verses that talk about seeking God in the Bible. You know, and, and I kept thinking to myself, you know, I have sought so many different things in my life. Education, a good life, this and that, and I have had so many goals. But, you know, the Bible says God does special things for those who seek the Lord. Let me give you an illustration of that. Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, what reward do we want in this world? Do we want the applause of the world? Or do we want the reward from God? Well, the Bible says if we seek God, he will reward us. Wow, isn't that incredible? Colossians 3, 1 says, seek those things which are above. Paul said, listen, get your eyes out of the world, man. Put your eyes on heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll take care of you. You know what we do? We try to take care of ourselves. You know, we try to make sure this part of our life is okay and this part of our life is okay and this is in order. And Jesus said, listen, you just seek me and I'll take care of things for you. Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 7 and verse 7 and 8 says, ask and you shall what? Receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. 
For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. What a promise. Everyone. That's you. That's me. It's not like some special Christian somewhere. Not some guy that, that, that lives way beyond where we live. It's, it's where we live. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks to him it shall be opened. Second Chronicles 31.20 says, Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Whew. Very successful. I like that. I like that. I, I like the word success when it's used in the context of spirituality, not in the context of the world. Because there are plenty of people in our world that have so much but have so little. You know that. They are so empty and broken on the inside. Spiritual success is what seeking the Lord is all about. It really is. That's the, now, the third thing is prayer is ministry. Now, this is good, and this is something we, we need to know. You know, I think that in every church, there's a lot of guilt. Don't you think? We have our share of guilt, right? We come to church and we say, boy, I should be involved in the church. I should, I should help with the children's ministry. I should probably be involved in the teenage ministry. I should... I should sing, I know I've sung before, and I should do this, and I should play an instrument, and, but I'm just not doing any of that stuff. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what's wrong with me, and we feel guilty. Uh, I, I want to encourage you today uh, that every good thing comes out of our connection with Christ. Every good thing. God will lead you to the exact ministry in the church that he wants you to have if you fall in love with Jesus. Not the church. Jesus. He will lead you exactly where he wants you to be. And I've had people say to me, you know, Pastor, I'm not involved in this, and I'm not involved in that, and I'm not involved in this, and all I can do for the church is to pray. It's almost like a depreciation of prayer. And I think to myself, you know, that's, a, that's the best thing you could ever give to the church is prayer, don't you think? Uh, because, you know, we can do church without prayer. We can. We can turn the lights on and we can take an offering and we can come together and sing and we can wow each other with our gifts and talents. But unless we are in connection with God, unless there is a spiritual mighty moving of the Holy Spirit in our church, we're like just going through the mechanics of being a church. You know, there are churches everywhere that are just going through the routine of, being, of having a church. But you know, when you put prayer into the, into the scenario of the church, that makes it spiritual. And that makes those lessons in our Sunday school class come alive for the kids. And the kids sit there and say, hey... This is what I want. I want to dedicate my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. That's prayer is the power behind every ministry. It's a ministry. And so if you're here today and you're not, quote, involved, I urge you to be involved in prayer because that's the most important ministry of the church. Another thing, prayer is spiritual warfare. Now, we knew little about coming, we knew little about spiritual warfare when we were saved, right? I didn't know, I don't, I didn't know a thing about spiritual warfare. Uh, I knew that God loved me, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? I knew that God loved me. I had been told that from the Bible, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. That if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. I like that. I like the fact that God loved me. Uh, I knew that I was lost and separated from God because of my sin. And I had a gigantic problem because of my sin. I was separated from God. 
And if I were to die, the Bible says that my destination would be hell. Do you know hell is a real place according to the New Testament? Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven. And uh, he came into the world to, to be a giant stop sign to keep you and me from plunging headlong into hell because that's the penalty of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and the word death means eternal separation from God in hell forever. And so I learned that sin had to be paid for. Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Romans 8 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so there's uh, somebody had to pay for sin and the great story of the gospel is Jesus paid for our sin. Amen. I mean, he stepped in front of you and the judgment of God Almighty and said, I'll take the hit. I'll die for John. I'll die for Mary. I'll die for Bill. Everyone who believes in me is covered by the blood of Christ. You know, uh, Jesus was... I knew that Jesus was eager to accept me if I would repent and believe and call on his name. And I, I know that probably most people in our church this morning read Romans 10:13 at one time that said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, I took that word whosoever right out of there and I put my name in it and I read it like this. If John Arnold would call upon the name of the Lord, I would be saved. And I did, and he did. And, uh, but I didn't know about spiritual warfare. I didn't know that I was enlisting to be a soldier. Now we finally come to the first of our notes and how could I be out of time before I got to the notes? The frequency of prayer, praying always. We're in Ephesians 6.18 now. Praying always, that's this. When you think about praying always, I want you to think of this, please. Praying always. The variety of prayer. Adoration. Worshiping God. Uh, look up Exodus 34. The Lord explained who he was to Moses. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of grace. He's the, God, he's the long-suffering God. He's the God that forgives sin. What we do is we take these things that God says about himself and we turn them back on God and we praise him for being a merciful God. We praise him for being a God of blessing and forgiveness. And we turn all of those attributes of God into praise to lift up God, to adore him. And then there's confession. You know, whenever a person's saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he begins to talk to us. He convicts us of things we shouldn't be doing. But Holy Spirit says, listen, don't do this. And he doesn't do that just to be an antagonist in our life. He does it that to raise the spiritual bar in our life, to help us to grow as a Christian. He says, listen, you've got to fix this area of your life. You see, God doesn't want you to live a broken spiritual life. He's the healer. And what he does is he convicts you and he says, listen, this area in your life is broken. And so just give it to me and let me put it together and fix it for you. That's confession. And then there's thanksgiving. And then there's supplication. Uh, I, let me encourage you to be a whole lot more concerned about praying for people than things. Because things are only temporary. People are forever. I heard a pastor one day he found a little Bible, a stray Bible in the church fellowship hall. And when he opened the front of it, he realized that it belonged to a guy in his church whose name was Stanley. Uh, he was in his 80s and inside the front of the cover of the Bible, there were 90 names written in various colors of ink. Uh, when he returned the Bible, he asked Stanley to tell about the names. Stanley's face lit up uh, with great joy and he began to talk about the people that he had brought to Christ. His finger lovingly went down and he told about uh, 
the pastor who was on the mission field in South Africa that he had won to Christ. Another one who was in the radio ministry in Eastern Europe. Uh, one who was a, a brand new pastor. And it was obvious uh, that uh, this man had prayed regularly for these people. I want to encourage you. I was in Springfield, Missouri two or three weeks ago talking to a Bible college group of people and I asked them to take a piece of paper and draw a big circle and put a dot in the middle and write on the dot me and then write their family, their mother, their dad, their brothers, their sisters, their aunts, their uncles, write the names and move out and write in there eventually all the people in their circle of influence and put that in their prayer journal and start to pray by name for all of those people. I think of Mary Jane Stephan. Mary Jane is home this morning from church. She hasn't been feeling too well lately. But I like her story. Her neighbor was Mary Jane Anthony. Mary Jane Anthony prayed for Mary Jane Stephan for 20 years. And she was always inviting her to go, Hey, Mary Jane, will you go to a Bible study with me? And Mary Jane Stephan says, Not me. You know her. We call her Sarge here at the church. She was a Marine. Can you believe it? She said, Not me. Mary Jane Anthony kept praying, Lord, save Mary Jane Stephan. Save her. 20 years, she never gave up. She invited her to the church. She would never come. Somehow, one day she came to our church. And you reached out to her when she came, and you accepted her. And you said, Mary Jane, we're happy to have you. Mary Jane had a different understanding of what Christian people were about. We're kind of regular people in this church, you know. And uh, you made Mary Jane feel comfortable. And one day some people went by to Mary Jane's house from our church and, and asked her the question, if you were to die today, where would you go? Have you ever come to the place in your spiritual life that you know for certain if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And Mary Jane Stephan gave her life to Christ. You know why? Mary Jane Anthony wouldn't give up. She wouldn't give up. 20 years. Open the heart of my neighbor, Lord. Open the heart of my neighbor. Mary Jane Stephan gave her life to Christ. She became a wonderful worker in our church. She went to our youth department and the girls over there loved her to death. She, was, she has been on fire for Christ ever since. So what I'm saying is when you talk to God about things, don't worry too much about those things. Be concerned about people. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I'd like to invite you today to, to make some sort of a decision in your heart to begin to organize your prayer life. Stop feeling guilty and start organizing your prayer life and growing in prayer by the simple methods that I've talked about this morning. By getting a notebook, by writing those categories down and filling in names and looking at that and saying, Lord, I, I want to be like Mary Jane Anthony. I don't want to be a quitter. I want to pursue God. I want my neighbor to see in me what they need to see. I want my kids to come to Christ. I want my uncle and aunt to know you too. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for 
your word that just vibrates in our heart this morning that we are called to be Christian soldiers. I just pray that you will help us to make these commitments that are very needed in our life today in the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song together. And if you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, you just feel free to do that. You are You're the light in the darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless You are 